You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun, Welcome NASCAR in, icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. The Tour Sports Podcast presented by Bad Fred Sportsbook. It is Thursday, October 27th, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun Thursday, not quite Friday. We're almost there. Episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. So I was thinking today, it struck me. Next week is the first of those college football playoff reveal shows that we get every year in November into December. And it struck me. How many teams can actually make the college football playoff? Well, we're going to go through them all. The list is actually a little bit bigger than you think in terms of teams that can still get there. We're going to discuss them all. The ones that are most and least likely to get there, their past to get there, what has to happen. We are going to discuss all that. From there, take a quick break. Not sure if you saw what the Pac-12 commissioner said about USC and UCLA, but really, really, really interesting stuff. The Pac-12 commissioner is feeling swaggy, and I am totally here for it. That will be today's show. Maybe some other odds and ends at the end of the show. Friday, we will obviously be back to preview what should be a really, really fun week in college football. Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, on and on and on and on and on. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, like I just said, you know, a minute ago, I was like, it really struck me. We are in the end of October, which means next week, November, and next Tuesday, we get ourselves the first college football playoff reveal show. You know how this show works. Reese Davis is on and Kirk Herbstreet is on and Joey Galloway and all these guys. And they come on and they do their song and dance about they count them all down and who's number one and who's here and who's there. Then they bring on the playoff chair. We spend all day Wednesday, Thursday, Friday arguing about it until the next game day on Saturday. So the first one of these is next Tuesday. And so I said, you know what? How about we go ahead and talk about all of the teams that in theory could still make the college football playoff as we go into the final weekend in October this college football season. 
So what I want to do is I want to break it down. I want to get into it. I've broken down the teams into different tiers and conversations. Um, and before we do that, I want to, I just want to set a few ground rules. I think everybody kind of knows this, but I want to set a few ground rules as to who is eligible and who is not for a conversation like this and really use some college football playoff data historically to discuss it all because we are entering year nine in college football of the college football playoff, I should say. And in those nine years, we kind of have an idea of, okay, who will qualify for this playoff and who won't. So let's get into the criteria first. The number one criteria being, look, if you are an undefeated or one loss power conference champion, one of the five power conferences, you're almost certainly getting in. Now, do I think a team like Syracuse that's six and one, do I think a team like Penn state that's six and one, do I think they're going to win out? No, but they have to be included on this list because history says if Syracuse finishes 12 and one, 13 game season, ACC champ, they are getting to the college football playoff. Going to take a lot to get there, but they will get there. So right now we are going to consider anyone who is a zero or one loss conference champ. I do think I said that no one that's a one loss or undefeated conference champ has ever been left out. I do take that back. There was one year. Ohio State was left out as a one-loss champ. They had a really, really, really bad loss to Iowa in the middle of the year. Alabama was a one-loss non-SEC champ. They got in. Every metric said they were better. They ended up winning the national championship, so it proved correct. But I just bring it up because of the fact that basically, essentially, if you are a one-loss or no-loss conference champion in the Power Five, you're getting in. At the same time, if you're a two-loss conference champ, you're almost certainly not getting in. We have no historical precedent for any two-loss team getting into the college football playoff. So you look at a team like LSU as an example. Like if LSU wins out, LSU is going to make the college football playoff. We just have no precedent of that ever happening, so we're not going to discuss it today, okay? If, if, if it's three weeks from now and LSU is beating Bama, and LSU's going to the, the conference championship game, then we could start that conversation, but it has not happened ever. And so there's no reason to really bring it up now. And then finally, what I would say is this. We've never had a group of five team except for Cincinnati last year. They were undefeated with an incredible resume. We currently have no group of five teams that are even undefeated. So you will not hear any group of five teams in this conversation. So with that said, let's get to the teams that I do believe are good enough to make the college football playoff, or really just let's break them all down, all the different teams that could get in. Let's start with what I'm calling the core four. You remember Derek Jeter, Posada, Pettit, and whoever, Bernie Williams or whoever, they were the core four for the Yankees. These are the core four in college football right now. Four teams that are all undefeated that I feel really good about at this particular moment. They are Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, and Ohio State. Let's start with Georgia because I think their path is the most straightforward, right? They are undefeated, and if you look at them, they have two really marquee games left on the schedule. They play Tennessee at home next week, and then the week after that, they play or a little bit later. It's not the week after, but a few weeks after that, they play Kentucky on the road. They win those two. They're going to the SEC championship game. They go to the SEC championship game, and they are going to be in really good shape regardless. Now, if they if they if they win out, they're in. Like that, that goes without saying. At that point, they would be a 13-0 SEC team, win over Tennessee, win over probably Alabama in the SEC championship game. Um, and if that were to happen, um, they're getting in and they're the number one seed. I don't even think there would really be much of a debate at that point. 
What becomes interesting is a few scenarios. One, if they lose to Tennessee, that would be a really weird spot because at that point, Tennessee would probably win the SEC. At the, or at the very least, they're winning the SEC East. They're going to the SEC title game. And even if Tennessee lost in the SEC title game, they have the trump card over Georgia because, of course, they would have the head-to-head win over Georgia. If Georgia gets to the SEC title game by beating Tennessee and they were to lose there, that becomes another conversation. Then they are probably behind Alabama, probably ahead of Tennessee, but that's a lot of stuff that has to happen. I think the Georgia fan listening, you know. You win out, you're definitely in. You get to the SEC championship game and lose. You probably feel pretty good depending on how other things go. What you do not want to do, though, is lose to Tennessee because that puts you at a really disadvantageous spot where then you got to hope Tennessee wins out. You got to hope just about everybody else takes some bad losses along the way, the Clemsons, the TCUs of the world. Then maybe you get in as the second SEC team, but your back would be against the wall there. Let's quickly talk Tennessee. Tennessee, I think, to me, has the most interesting path left because what's interesting about Tennessee, they already have that trump card win over Alabama. And so they're in this weird spot where even if they were to lose to Georgia going forward, they'd still be in a pretty decent spot because keep in mind, they'd have the one win over Alabama. They would not play in the SEC championship game. And so even if you lose to Georgia, you are probably at the top of the heap in terms of one loss teams if you don't get in or if there is chaos where there's not a one loss team from the Pac-12 or the ACC or the Big 12 or whatever. So Tennessee is really interesting. You look at the rest of their schedule. They like Georgia. Their season basically comes down to the next two weeks. They play Kentucky at home this week. They're almost a two-touchdown favorite there. Then at Georgia, manageable Uh, Final stretch, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Now, all of a sudden, South Carolina is looking more challenging. I don't believe South Carolina can beat Tennessee. But if you're Tennessee, that win over Alabama is going to continue to matter. If Alabama goes to the SEC title game and they get beat by Georgia, you're still in pretty good shape because then Georgia would be undefeated. Then you'd have one loss. Alabama would be eliminated. And again, you'd be at the top of the heap. I know I'm doing a lot of different hypotheticals here. But I just bring it up because I actually think Tennessee is in a pretty good spot. Now, again, all of a sudden, that South Carolina win or that South Carolina game maybe looks a little bit tougher. But I do think that Tennessee is in very good shape. Really quickly, let's just lump the two Big Ten teams together because here's the bottom line. Michigan's really good. Ohio State is really good. Um, And nobody else in that conference is really good. And so you look at the two paths for those two teams. I'm not saying something crazy can't happen, but the path sure does look like it's going to go Michigan and Ohio State. Those two teams are going to play undefeated, which I think would maybe be the first time in my lifetime that that's happened, or maybe dating back to like 05 or 06 or whenever that was. But we're looking at a scenario where both teams are very much likely going to be undefeated. The winner is going to have a huge leg up to get to the playoff. And the loser, again, depending on how things go, they might be on the outside looking in. For Ohio State, here is the rest of the schedule. They play at Penn State this week, which in theory is a tough game. Problem is they are a 15-point favorite over Ohio State in the bet or over Penn State in the Bedfred Sportsbook. And so I sit there and say, I don't really see the scenario where they lose that game. Then they have at Northwestern, Indiana, at Maryland before Michigan. They are going to be minimum two-touchdown favorite in all of those games. Michigan, 
Their schedule is a little bit tougher. They play Michigan State on at home this weekend. They are a 23.5-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. At Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, who all of a sudden is a one-loss team in the Big Ten West City at 6-1, and one, probably the best story in college football outside of Tennessee. Assuming you survive Illinois, and you should be able to because they don't really score a lot. They just hold opponents to like a, a, an insanely low yardage and all that stuff. Then you go to that, that conference championship game with zero losses. What goes into this, what becomes interesting for me, though, is what happens to the loser of that game? Because you look at the winner of that game, I think they're probably going to take care of business against whoever wins the Big Ten West in the conference championship game. They're going to get to the SEC. They're going to get to the playoff, and they're either going to be the one or the two seed. The loser, though, is going to have a tough road ahead because they just won't really have much of a resume behind them. If you assume an SEC champ gets in, if you assume the Big Ten champ gets in, then all of a sudden, again, if Clemson's undefeated, if Oregon or USC has one loss as a conference champ, they're probably going to be prioritized. And I certainly think a second SEC team with one loss, be it Georgia, Tennessee, or Alabama, will be favored over that one loss team from the Big Ten. What hurts both of these teams, the rest of the conference isn't that good. And certainly when it comes to Michigan, their out-of-conference schedule was abysmal. We all remember Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. Not the best way to start the season, and I do think that will probably be held against them if you're comparing them to, say, a one-loss Georgia who doesn't win the SEC but played Oregon. A one-loss Bama. Uh, you know, I guess Bama wouldn't have one loss. If they have one loss, they'll win the SEC. But Tennessee with one loss who went to Pittsburgh in a true road game. So that's the thing to watch out for. Both those teams are good, but the team that loses it, it's going to be tough to make an argument Unless you have chaos where Clemson takes a loss or somebody else takes a loss, it'll be really, really interesting there. Final one for this segment, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and look at the rest of the teams. I'm calling this the the road is ahead, but I just need to see it to believe it team, and that is Alabama. Alabama, as we know, currently sitting at 7-1. and one. They are on a bye this week. They play at LSU. And the bottom line for Alabama, the road is ahead of them just like it was last year. They play at LSU coming out of the bye. They play Ole Miss later in the year. They obviously get uh, get Auburn at home. That Ole Miss game is on the road, by the way. So back-to-back games at LSU, at Ole Miss, Auburn, and then they would still have probably Georgia or Tennessee in the SEC title game. And so when I look at Alabama, this isn't rocket science here. They have one loss. Now, if they run the table from here, they're in no doubt. Easy breezy. You don't even have to think about it. But if they take another loss, it's really hard to make an argument for Alabama. Let's assume they even run the table in the regular season, get to the SEC title game, and then they lose to Georgia or Tennessee. At that point, you're talking about an Alabama team that has two losses with their two losses coming against the two best teams they played all year, Tennessee earlier in the year, and then either Tennessee or Georgia in the SEC title game. And so for Alabama, it becomes the same conversation that we've had about them since the Texas game. We know how talented they are. We know they have the best roster in college football, but are you going to go out and prove it? Are you going to do enough? Are you going to win the games in the tough environments that you have not won or at the very least you've struggled in over the last couple of years? I can look at the Tennessee game from two perspectives. I can look at it as a loss or I can look at it as a terrible day with 17 penalties. You still last second field goal 
loses the game for you. So it's a lot to peel back with Alabama, but it really isn't all that much at all. If Alabama wins out, they will be in. If Alabama takes a loss to LSU, if they take a loss to Ole Miss, then all of a sudden you're talking about an Alabama team that's probably getting left out of the college football playoff. All right, so what I want to do, I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. I want to talk about the ACC with Clemson. I want to talk about the Pac-12, USC, UCLA, Oregon, all undefeated. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. Listen, I've been telling you about Betfred for weeks now. Love working with them and so grateful for our partnership with Betfred. You know the deal. Started in 1967 in the UK, one of the most credible and reputable sports books in the UK. Over 1,600 shops there. They have come to the US and made a major splash. Not only are they the presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Media and all things Aaron Torres Pod and college football betting and all of the things that we are doing, but guess what? They are also the gambling sponsor of the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, and here's why I love working with them. They do more for their customers than anybody. I've already told you, but we sent a few listeners to the VIP tailgate at the Denver Broncos game a few weeks ago. Uh, they have first pitch a Colorado Rockies game. The Betfred Sportsbook Suite in uh, the Betfred Suite at Cincinnati Bengals games is absolutely hopping every single time the Bengals play a home game. I can tell you this. Big things planned for the Ohio launch on January 1st. Sports betting becomes legal in Ohio on that day. And oh, by the way, Super Bowl's in Arizona. Just keep an eye out for that. By the way, I should mention one of the things that I love working with them, like I said, nobody does more for their customers than BetFred, and here's the deal. Bet $50 on any game this weekend. This is what they're doing for you. This is how much they love you. Bet $50 on any game. You get 250 in free bets, courtesy of the BetFred Sportsbook. So any game, Ole Miss A&M, Michigan, Michigan State, whoever you want to bet on, bet 50, get 250, courtesy of BetFred. We love working with them. Ohio State, Penn State, Kentucky, Tennessee, it doesn't matter. Bet 50, get 250, courtesy of Betfred. They are our presenting sponsors. We love working with them and cannot wait to continue that partnership. Really quickly, I also want to thank our other sponsor, Bracket Fanatics, BracketFanatics.com. Uh, Bracket Fanatics is, of course, the sponsor of our Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. Uh, Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. If you have not signed up, it is not too late. Go to BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. Bracket name is Torres. Do that, and you're automatically entered to win everything. It's free to enter. We're giving away $100 weekly winners. We already have seven winners so far. I'll name the week seven winner on Thursday's show. And beyond that, on top of that, we also have a $1,000 season-long cash prize. So go sign up today, BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket, Bracket name Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S, and do that, free to enter, $100 weekly winners, $1,000 season-long cash prize. And if you're already signed up, by the way, make sure to make your week eight picks. Thank you again to Bracket Fanatics. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's continue the countdown of teams that are good enough as we record here on October 27th, 2022 to make the college football playoff. We've already talked about Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, Ohio State, and Bama. Let's keep the conversation going with two teams that I call the they could make it, but boy, oh boy, if they get there, they are going to get trounced. The first one I think they're the most polarizing team in the college football playoff conversation, at least of teams that have a a real shot to make it. And it's the Clemson Tigers, because I think they are the weird conundrum of, I don't think people think that they're better than Michigan, Ohio state, Tennessee, Georgia, Bama. I think there's people probably that watched that Oregon game last weekend said they're not better than Oregon. They might not be better than USC, but you look at the schedule, you look at who Clemson has to play and it is hard to find not just one, but two losses on the schedule. Remember, what did I tell you to lead the segment, to lead the show, excuse me? We've never had it. We've had one time where a one-loss team that was a power conference champion got left out of the playoff. We've never had an undefeated power conference team get left out. So if Clemson runs the table, they're in. And even if they take a loss somewhere along the way, it sure does feel like they would get priority over the loser of Michigan, Ohio State, the loser of Tennessee, Georgia, that probably won't make the SEC title game. So if you're a fan of one of those teams, you got to hope that Clemson loses not once, but twice. First of all, just looking at the schedule. I mean, it, it is all there for them. It, you know, the ACC is not very good, and the schedule bears it out going forward. After their bye, they play at Notre Dame, Louisville at home, Miami, who's terrible at home, and then they close with South Carolina. By the way, who would have thought in the preseason that the toughest game of the Final Four might be South Carolina? And listen, I, I could see the scenario maybe where South Carolina wins that, but even that one's a stretch. I like what Shane Beamer's done, but let's call a spade a spade. Spencer Rattler has not been great. They probably should have lost that game the other night. They they had the opening kickoff for a touchdown. If they don't have that, Texas A&M wins. Their best win besides that is against Kentucky without Will Levis. So let's not go crazy overboard talking about uh, South Carolina as a real threat to Clemson. And then again, even if they lose one of those games, who are they going to lose to in the ACC title game? I just don't see that team. And so you look at Clemson, they are absolutely fascinating, but I, I, I think that they're probably going to get to the playoff. And I think they're probably going to be like 14 point underdogs to Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, Ohio State, and get destroyed. I don't like the offense. I think DJ is still very limited in what he can do. I give him credit for developing, but if you watch him throughout this season, 
it is still very clear that Clemson coaches afraid of DJ. And so it's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be fascinating to see. I just don't know that I believe in Clemson once they get to the playoff, but I do think they're going to get there. I, I'll give you my, my, my final four that I think it's actually going to be at the end. I'm just telling you right now, though. I'm just telling you right now. I think that realistically, Clemson probably gets in because I just can't find losses on their schedule. Staying in the group of they actually could potentially get there, but I don't know that they'll do very well once they get there. Let's stick with that group and TCU. TCU is a, for, TCU is a great story, right? Clemson's a little bit of an annoying story because they've been around forever and you know what the potential of that team is if they had better quarterback play. TCU is the exact opposite. First-year head coach in a year where Brian Kelly goes to LSU, Lincoln Riley goes to USC, Marcus Freeman to Notre Dame, Brent Venables to Oklahoma, Mario Cristobal to Miami. Sonny Dykes, the first-year head coach at TCU, is doing the best job out of all of them. TCU 7-0, and the one thing, you can't say that they haven't earned that 7-0. Their last four wins were against teams that were ranked at the time they played them. So this is a great story. Um, but I, what I would also say about TCU is it, I, they're one, I can't see two losses on the schedule for Clemson. I can see two losses for TCU. You look at their schedule. First of all, they go to West Virginia this week, not an easy place to play. West Virginia just took care of Baylor. That crowd will be rocking top 10 matchup uh, in, in Morgantown. And then they play at Texas later in the year. And it'd be easy to sit there and say, they're not going to beat Texas or Texas isn't going to beat them. They're Texas. They always fall apart. But that's going to be the rare game where Texas is going to be a home underdog or perceived to be an underdog. And Steve Sarkeesian's really going to be able to play up the nobody believes in us stuff. Even if TCU survives, they would have to go back to the Big 12 championship where they would likely have to play a team that they have already beaten in close fashion. Kansas State, which was in control against them last week, is atop the standings. Oklahoma State, which had TCU dead to rights in the third quarter, blew a lead is another team that they could potentially play. When I look at TCU, I do still see at least one and potentially two losses, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they're sitting there at 12 and one. And again, I think that would be a really interesting scenario. Do you put in a 12 and one TCU team over an 11 and one Michigan, a 12 and one TCU team over an 11 and one Tennessee? These are conversations we could be having. By the way, this is probably the year that we shouldn't need the college football playoff to be expanded to 12. Ain't going to happen. But TCU, I think Clemson is the team that people are frustrated by. TCU is the one that they might get into the playoff, and we might say for sure, eh, you know, maybe we should have taken Tennessee. Maybe we should have taken Michigan. Maybe we should have taken Ohio State, somebody like that. Let's keep the conversation going with what I'm calling the wild, wild West Coast. So unique, so original. I know. What can I say? It's incredible. I don't know where I came up with it. I'm, of course, talking about the Pac-12 where we have three, not one, I'm like LeBron here. Not one, not two, but three one-loss teams. Oregon sitting at 7-1 and one after they took care of UCLA last week. UCLA, of course, their only loss was to the Oregon Ducks last week. And then USC, man, listen, I, I, I didn't know Lincoln Riley was going to be this good. USC, like the other teams sitting at 6-1. and one. I think I said they're all 7-1. and one. They're all 6-1 and one here with five weeks left in the season. Starting with Oregon, they're the most interesting. Just said it with Clemson a minute ago. I think you could argue. I don't know if they're a top four team right now, but I don't think there's a doubt Oregon is the most improved team from start to finish this season. Now, I didn't hear the whole segment, 
But I was in the car and I turned on my buddy Colin Cowherd and he actually made a really interesting point. He said, this is a team that should probably be given the benefit of the doubt if they keep looking like they did against UCLA. First year head coach, uh, first year quarterback in Bo Nix. They go to Georgia, not Athens, but the state of Georgia to play Georgia in the season opener. That's a tough place to play, especially with a first-year quarterback and first-year head coach, not discrediting Georgia. But what I am saying is that feels like one where you get to the end of the year, you can make a pretty compelling case that Oregon's a pretty good team if they run the table from there, especially the way they looked against UCLA. Oregon has an interesting schedule. I think three pretty tough games left on the schedule. They host Utah, which is 5-2. and two. They host Washington, which is pretty good at 6-2. and two. And then they actually go to Oregon State late in the season. I don't know how many of you know this. Oregon State currently sitting at 6-2 and two on the season. Only losses were to USC by three and at Utah. Otherwise, Oregon State has taken care of business sitting at 6-2, and two, so it won't be easy for Oregon. The two LA schools, I think they're two of the better stories in the sport. UCLA, look, it did not go well last week, but their road is still ahead of them. Their road is still ahead of them, and it is very manageable with the big one for UCLA coming against USC at home over Thanksgiving weekend, or I should say the weekend before Thanksgiving. USC is really interesting in its own right, and I'll tell you why. USC plays at Arizona this weekend. They're a 15 and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. Here's the deal. If they win that game, the final four weeks, they don't get on a plane the rest of the year. They don't leave LA the rest of the year. Two straight, two straight home games, Cal and Colorado. They play at UCLA, a little bit of a nerd geography lesson. USC's campus is actually closer to UCLA's home venue, the Rose Bowl, than UCLA is. USC will have a shorter bus trip to that road game than their, their opponent will, and then they close with Notre Dame. So the Pac-12 conversation is going to come down to two things. Truly believe it will come down to who wins that UCLA-USC game, and then can Oregon get there? Then all of a sudden you're talking about 11 and one versus 11 and one. And it gets really interesting. I would think that Oregon would get the benefit of the benefit of the doubt. Should they get there? If they were to win, like they would get more of a benefit of a doubt in the national conversation. The only loss was to Georgia in week one, Georgia at that point could be an undefeated sec champ beyond that. They got better throughout the year. They beat UCLA. They beat USC. They took care of Utah at that point as well. So Oregon would be a really interesting one. I think USC would be a really interesting one as well. Now, USC would not at that point, they would have a great win over Oregon if they both get there to 12-1 and and a potential 10-win UCLA team. I'll tell you this. There's a very interesting conversation of either USC, really any of the three. If USC, UCLA, or Oregon gets to the the regular gets to the end of the season, wins the Pac-12 championship at 12 and 1. UCLA at that point would have a win over USC, a revenge win over Oregon, beating the team that beat them. If Oregon finishes, they run the table. Their only loss would be to Georgia. And USC at that point would have a win over a good UCLA team and a good Oregon team. So a lot left on the table. Obviously, they can't all get to the Pac-12 championship game. One of those teams is going to lose to USC or UCLA. One of those two teams is going to lose. But I'll tell you, I think the reality of a Pac-12 team getting into this playoff is more realistic than you think. Again, need some help from Clemson, need some help from TCU, losing some games that are not supposed to. Pac-12 is very interesting. 
Really quickly, let's go through the rest. These are the teams that I like to call, I guess they sort of have a shot, but they really don't. One, Penn State. So Penn State is currently 6-1. and one. If Penn State runs the table, they don't even control their own destiny in the Big Ten. So if they run the table, they beat Ohio State. They would still need Michigan to lose to Ohio State just to get to the Big Ten championship game. Imagine that, by the way. You'd have three 12-1 teams if they beat Ohio State and Ohio State beats Michigan. But they, even if they win out, even if they beat Ohio State and they're a 15.5-point favorite in the Betfred Sports, a 15.5-point underdog in the Betfred Sportsbook, even if they were to win that one, they would still need help. And they ain't winning on Saturday against Ohio State. So I don't think Penn State wins out. And if they don't, they are not getting in. Although the schedule is very manageable from there because, again, the Big Ten outside of Ohio State and Michigan and to a smaller degree, Penn State all stink. So Penn State's interesting. I'll believe it when I see it. Same with Ole Miss. Ole Miss, listen, Love Lane Kiffin, great story. They're 7-1. and one. They got outclassed by LSU last week. They play Texas A&M this weekend. They're barely favored against a bad Texas A&M team that has a bunch of players suspended. So if you're barely favored against Texas A&M, forgive me when you come back from your bye and you still have Bama at home, you still have after Bama, you have Arkansas on the road, you have Mississippi State on the road, overall Ole Miss. You know, they're one where they played all of their out-of-conference games early. You know how most of these teams, they have a, a you know, A&M plays UMass and whoever. Texas, or excuse me, Ole Miss still has four games left on the schedule. All four are against SEC opponents. I don't see them finishing 11 and one. And again, they're kind of the same way. Even if they finish 11 and one, they would need LSU to lose somewhere for them to get to the big, uh, the SEC title game. Really quickly, Oklahoma State, they're six and one right now. If Oklahoma State runs the table, they're probably in the conversation. They have been outgained in each of their last four games. I find it hard to believe a team that has been outgained half of the season is going to somehow run the table, finish 12 and one. So I'm out on Oklahoma State. And then here's a fun fact Did you know the ACC outside of Clemson currently has three one loss teams Syracuse, Wake Forest, and UNC? Now, the crazy part is they all kind of play each other over the back half of the schedule. Syracuse and Wake play, that will eliminate one. Wake and UNC play, that will eliminate one. And also, it's worth noting, Wake and Syracuse already have a loss to Clemson. So Wake and Syracuse would need Clemson to lose twice for either of them to get to the ACC championship game. I'll believe it when I see it. UNC is an interesting deal, but I'm sorry. That defense is terrible. I do not believe that they are going to run the table. They are going to beat Clemson to win the ACC title. That was a lot of information in a short amount of time. I hope you enjoyed that segment. It was definitely a little bit different, definitely a little bit fun as we went through, what was it, 12, 13 legitimate college football playoff contenders in this regular season. And I will say, if you asked me for my prediction on the playoff today, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Georgia will be the number one seed undefeated SEC champ. I am going to say from there, Ohio State will be undefeated Big Ten champ at number two. At number three, I think it's going to be a Clemson team that nobody believes in. And at number four, I'll tell you this, I think it'll come down to one loss Michigan, one loss Tennessee, Tennessee's loss at Georgia, Michigan's loss at Ohio State. Tennessee will probably be given the benefit of the doubt playing that true road game in the out-of-conference. Tennessee probably be given the benefit of the doubt because they'll have the best win over Alabama. 
I think there's a chance we could see a really good Michigan team left out. That is my final four here on October 27th. I like Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and Tennessee. I don't think those are the four best teams. I think Michigan's probably in that conversation. Alabama might be in that conversation as well. I don't think Alabama's winning out. I don't think Michigan is getting in over a one-loss team if they don't win the Big Ten. Really, really interesting road ahead. All right, so what I want to do, do want to take a quick break. Do want to come back. Did you see what the Pac-12 commissioner said on Wednesday? Oh, he's still mad about USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12. I do think he has a point, though. We're going to take a quick break, come right back, discuss that next. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's switch gears. Let's get to some other news and notes from across college sports. And I want to get to right now the latest chapter of my favorite soap opera in college sports. I am, of course, talking about as the Pac-12 turns. Obviously, in June, we find out that UCLA and USC are leaving the Pac-12. And ever since then, it's basically been this never-ending list of questions that basically none of them have been answered to this point. Uh, We've been asking, is the league going to break up? Is the Big 12 going to steal teams? Is the Pac-12 going to add teams? What's going to happen to the TV deal? On and on and on and on and on. So many different questions that we really, frankly, again, haven't gotten very many answers to. Now, I still believe what I've said all along which is that I think the 10 schools are going to stay together because they don't really have a better option. I don't know what the TV deal is going to be. I told you in the summer it could be streaming, and that's where it appears to be trending. But why I'm talking about the Pac-12 today is because on Wednesday they did have their media availability, and during the media availability, their commissioner, George Klyovkov, I give him credit, man. He might be he might have a train coming at him at 200 miles an hour, and he's standing on the tracks, but this guy is fearless He talks his smack and he is not afraid to basically say what he thinks, whether he actually believes it or not. And the one thing I will say, he does put on a confident front, whether it's truthful or not. That was because on Wednesday, he was asked about conversations that he's had with people at USC and UCLA about leaving the Pac-12. Okay, so this has obviously been a prevailing thing. And he's he's asked, how many people would you say? are disappointed about the the fact that that USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12. Here is what he said in terms of the number of people that he has has talked to. I think saying hundreds, in in other words, the number of people he's talked to, I think saying hundreds would be an exaggeration. Dozens, for sure, more than a hundred. 
And I have yet to talk to anyone in the UCLA and USC community who's in favor of this move. I will say that I probably hear from folks who are not in favor, not surprisingly. So George Klyovkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, coming up, he's swinging haymakers, saying, I have yet to talk to anybody in the UCLA and USC community who is in favor of the news. And of course, when he said that, social media does did what social media does, which is they basically crushed him, right? The second that he says it, everyone says, oh, this guy's full of crap. This guy's trying to fight for his conference. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Let me tell you this. I live in Pac-12 country. I have a little bit of a different perspective. And what I would tell you, I'm not defending the guy. I'm not saying it's 100%. I'm not even saying the Pac-12 will exist in a month. What I am saying, though, I do think there's probably some merit to what he's saying. And the conversations I've had both with fans, administrators, people around those two schools, I actually think the guy is right. And so let's get into it because, you know, a a few different variables here. One, I did talk about it from the fan perspective when this was announced. And what I would say is from the fan perspective, this was the strangest and most non-acrimonious conference realignment that I can ever remember, okay? Most of the times when schools announce that they're leaving, it gets really mean, really bitter, really nasty between the school that's leaving, the school that's staying, the conference that they're leaving, all of that. Think about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State last year, the bickering between the two when they announced they're leaving. Nebraska in the Big 12, Texas A&M in the Big 12. The fact, by the way, Texas goes to Oklahoma State last week. Texas fans are complaining that that Oklahoma State didn't commit a single penalty during the game, thinking that the Big 12 refs were purposely out to get Texas. What I would say to Texas, don't turn the ball over four times. Quinn Ewers, don't say, don't throw three interceptions and there won't be a problem. But I just bring it up to say, most of these realignment things are really just mean-spirited, bad blood. The Pac-12 was not that at all. I remember talking about it at the time, and I remember talking to Arizona fans at the time, Oregon fans at the time, Washington, Stanford, Cal, whoever fans at the time. And what stood out to me was kind of this weird understanding between the aggrieved party and the party UCLA and USC that was leaving. From the perspective of the Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State fans, the vibe that I got from them was, of course they're leaving. We would leave too. Like, like they were sad. They were upset. They wish it wasn't happening, but they they totally get it. Arizona fans are like, if we had the opportunity, we'd get the heck out too. I know Oregon, Washington, Stanford fans feel that way because they've been trying since the day this ended to get in, the day this started to get into the Big Ten. And the Big Ten's basically giving them the Heisman stiff arm saying, we're good there. So it was this weird thing where most of the fans that were left behind understand And from the UCLA-USC perspective, most of the fans that I've interacted with living in LA, they kind of feel the same way. They kind of say, we get why this is being done. We're happy that we're on the right side of this, but we also kind of feel like, you know what? We kind of wish we weren't leaving because one, we're losing all these rivals that we've had forever. We we will miss playing Oregon in football and Arizona in basketball and Washington in football and going to all these various outposts. We, if you live in LA, you're dealing with Oregon and Arizona alums every day, even if you're a UCLA and USC alum, and it's no different than living in Atlanta and being a Georgia fan that deals with Alabama and Florida grads all the time. And so from the fan perspective, it was a weird one, but I think there's something there. I don't think the fans are happy. I don't think the fans are happy that they're basically not going to be able to go to a road game pretty much ever unless they're willing to get on a jet and fly across country. 
And it might be cool if you're a USC fan to maybe go to Penn State one time or maybe go to Michigan every time. But there's a lot of USC and UCLA fans that live in Scottsdale, Arizona, that could go see their team once or twice a year, that could go live in Seattle, live in Oregon, live in wherever, or vice versa. A lot of, uh, you know, seeing your team in town, all that good stuff. So from the fan perspective, there's that element. What I would say also, though, is behind the scenes, I'll tell you, I do think that more people than you would ever believe, the ones that I talk to, are not really all that excited about this move either. Now, the administrators, the administrators that get those checks, the administrators that get to upgrade their offices, the administrators that ultimately their job is to just make the most money for their athletic department, well, they're over the moon. More TV money, obviously it's going to create more ticket sales. But I think from the football perspective, that's where a lot of frustration comes in. Now, I think from the football perspective, football is the one sport where really travel, I don't think is as much of an issue probably go to nine to, you know, eight to nine league games. They might drop back to eight, but they're at nine now. So you're talking four or five road trips a year, you know, fly out on Friday, fly back on Saturday night. It's not that big of a deal. But from the football perspective, what I do think is a big deal is the ticket aspect of it. I I mean, I've talked to people again and administrators, they're just happy we're going to be selling tickets. But imagine being a UCLA football coach right now. UCLA can't get anybody to the Rose Bowl. And now, you're going to have 25, 30, 40,000 fans when Wisconsin comes to town, when Penn State comes to town, when Ohio State comes to town, when Michigan State comes to town, when Iowa comes to town, when Purdue comes to town, when Iowa, uh, Indiana comes to town. You're going to have a lot of people traveling. And I think behind the scenes, there's a little bit of a not really worry, but kind of like a crap, man. We're, we're deep. You know what? Because we're basically going to be playing 12 road games a year or at the very least six neutral site games and six road games. And oh, by the way, it isn't equal. It's not like when you go, it's not like when you host Penn State and they have 30,000 fans, you get to then have 30,000 fans at Penn State. No, 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 no. And yes, you can blame the fan bases and they're not as passionate. They don't travel as much. If you're a football coach, you don't really care about that. It's just like, crap, we got to play six, really, you know, four or five really good teams every single year in our place that are going to bring 25, 30,000 fans. And we're going to have 2,000 fans when we go back to Penn State the following year, back to Iowa the following year. So there's that element of it. And then from the non-football perspective, I'll tell you, I I really don't think anybody is that excited about it. And, And again, everybody puts on a good face and everybody puts on a good front. But the people I've talked to are a little bit worried. I'll be perfectly honest. So when when this all first happened, I think there was this level of excitement of, you know, One, we'll figure out the travel stuff. It's not as big of a deal as you think. I think I said it at the time, but I talked to a basketball coach at one of the two schools, not not a basketball coach, but somebody around the basketball program that was just like, yeah, you know, instead of playing uh, our Thanksgiving tournament in New York or in Florida or in the Bahamas, we'll just play one in Vegas. We'll just play one in LA. We'll just play one in San Diego. So we'll figure out the travel stuff. I do think as it has gone on more and more though, It is starting to sink in for basketball and the non-revenue sports. It is going to be a lot of travel. Uh, I'm not great at math here, okay? I I think that's my new favorite saying. I say it all the time. But USC and UCLA in basketball, I I can't speak to other non-revenue sports. But UCLA and UCLA in basketball, USC in basketball, Big Ten basketball plays 20 league games at this point. 20 league games, which means that you're playing 10 road games, which means that at minimum, even if you go back to back on the road, that's probably five. That's five different cross country trips. 
So say you get Michigan and Michigan State back-to-back. Well, one, you got to play two really good teams in two really tough venues. But then you got to fly back, play a couple games, and then you got to fly back and play Indiana and Purdue two weeks later. Or Rutgers and Maryland two weeks after that. Or Minnesota and Wisconsin a week after that. And so the, 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 the travel is going to start to add up. I think it's starting to register. We're talking about four, five, six cross-country flights a year. And that's if we play back-to-back games. What if we only play one? What if it's a one-off? Then we got to fly back. Now we got to fly back on the opposite side. You try to schedule two or three in a row. Now you're talking about being on the road for eight, nine days at a time. And so there's that element of it. There's the weather element where if you're a basketball program, good luck flying into Minnesota on a, uh, you, you know, in February. I just want to know, and this is serious. This isn't a joke. Last year, if you remember, UCLA played at Marquette the same weekend that Arizona played at Illinois. Both faced major, major, major travel issues and major, major, major weather issues. Thankfully, everybody was okay. Thankfully, all the planes landed. Thankfully, we took buses. But the point I'm trying to make is now you're going to do that four or five times a year. And oh, by the way, guess what happens after the regular season? You think the Big Ten is going to play their conference tournament in Vegas or L.A.? No, they're going to make you fly your butt across country again and play in Indianapolis, play in Chicago, maybe play in D.C. I think they did it in D.C. one year. And so I'm telling you, man, I just I think it's really starting to catch up with people. And again, everybody's going to say the right things publicly, but privately, I think there's a little bit of concern. To go back to the basketball perspective from a second, the concern also, those are some really tough venues to play. And we just talked about it with football. Football, you're going you're gonna to have 25,000 in your stadium. You're going to fly back cross country and have to play Penn State in front of 100,000 people in a whiteout. You're going to have to play 90,000 people at the shoe. And so from the basketball perspective, it isn't any easier. Listen, we could criticize the Big Ten in basketball. Jim Beheim just took a shot at them like two weeks ago. But those are tough venues to play in during the regular season. Wisconsin, the Kohl Center, is a really tough place to play. Minnesota, the Barn, is a really tough place to play. Imagine having to play at Indiana and at Purdue back-to-back. Those are probably two of the top 10 road venues in college basketball when both places are rocking. Now you got to play them in back-to-back games. Good luck with that. Michigan and Michigan State, Maryland and Rutgers. And so it's, it's, it's tough travel. It's hard to get to places. State college is not easy to get to in the middle of the winter. And then you have five or six of them over the course of a year. And so you factor in all that. The other thing Klyovkov said uh, at Pac-12 Media Day on Wednesday was, what about the Olympic sports? What about tennis? What about golf? What about baseball? And I don't claim to be an expert on all those sports, but again, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of hotels. It's a lot of flights. And so I do think he's onto something there. Now, it's that fine line of obviously it goes without saying, no, UCLA and USC aren't going to change their minds. No, they didn't make necessarily even the wrong decision because the money is going to be so good. But what is the money all worth if you're if you're in a really, really, really tough spot in a really, really, really tough conference with really rough travel, really rough weather, really rough? Now home games are a lot different. It's just something to think about. And so I wanted to talk about this very briefly because I do think Klyavkov, I think he took a lot of heat for saying it. But I don't think there's anything wrong with what he said. And I know he's taking a lot of criticism. I think there is something to what he said. But that said, I do think it is time for me to get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And by the way, if you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. 
Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also remember, we are broadcasting shows live every single morning on the YouTube channel, so make sure that you are subscribed on YouTube as well, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Some of you have gone over there, have started listening there, and I appreciate your support as well. If you have not yet, please make sure to go ahead and do that on YouTube. But I think that's it. I think that's all for today's show, and I think we'll be back on Friday to preview a I think it's going to be a fun Saturday in college football, by the way. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Florida, Georgia, a lot of intriguing games. We will be back to talk about it all and whatever other shenanigans happen on Thursday. And, of course, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. So that's all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. All that good stuff. Shout out to Torker. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. I'll be back on Friday. New episode, Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.